You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. I wanted to uh, talk about real quick uh, a couple of things. One of those things that, I, that is what I'm here for is we as elders want to recognize uh, Matt and Sarah. Um, Matt and Sarah both pursued an undergrad degree out in Colorado. And Matt wanted to be an FBI agent. That's what he had planned on doing, and that's what he was wanting to do. And as he was uh, planning on being an FBI agent, uh, and Sarah, she ended up getting a degree in accounting. And then they felt this call toward ministry. And they found this, this school in Johnson City uh, called Emmanuel School of Religion. And they came and they moved over here. Actually, I, I met them then at that school and did not realize it when years later uh, they come here to serve in ministry at Discovery. And they reminded me of that. And, of course, I could remember Sarah at that time, her beautiful face, and then Matt, though, because he wanted to be an FBI agent, he looked and he was chiseled like Thor. If you, no, obvious, obviously that's not the case. But I did remember them. And, uh, and so that was kind of a neat thing that we shared. And uh, so beyond that, so just so you'll know that, that uh, Sarah also went to school there. Sarah got her MAR, which is a Master's in Art and Religion. And uh, that's a high degree that you get. And Matt went on to get his MDiv. And MDiv, if you don't know anything about any of that stuff, it, it's rough. It is a rough uh, degree to get. It's 90 hours of grad just to get your master's degree. Uh, that's a lot of times that's a doctorate degree that you get. So Matt still felt a calling that he should go beyond that. So we are here to recognize that Matt has graduated from Liberty University with his doctorate degree. So, so from now on, we will have to call him Dr. Correll. No, no I'm kidding. Yeah, just Matt. Good job. <laughs> See what they do? Look at that. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. So what I have here um, that that Sarah has shared with me is this is his project and you can have a seat so you don't stand up thank you though this is his project obviously it is it's, uh, it's a light reading as you can see here it's a, an interactive approach to preaching and it says right there Dr. Matthew Ryan Correll right on the front there so we do appreciate that. I mean, obviously, it's a big step. I want you to understand, too, Sarah was right there along with him. She did a whole lot for him uh, because she helps to edit. And I know that because my wife does that for anything that I have to do. She, uh, she helps to edit things for him, helps him to get things correct in that way, especially when you're doing a project of this sort. Uh, you need a lot of help in that. And not only that, um, Matt had COVID during the time that he was doing this. And if you remember, it was, it was rough. He had a rough COVID time. And so he still completed it. And last week, right, he got to walk at Liberty University and uh, show himself off. And there they are. 
uh, as a family. So again, we just want to thank you and thank, appreciate everything you do. And I know you couldn't do it without her. No. And I know that it's uh, just a great thing to have together. So enjoy preaching in that from now on. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, and just wearing it. Again, it hurts when I do this right here, Matt. I, I can take care of that. Yeah. Okay, okay. That's yeah. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> very good. All right. Thank you all very thank much. Thank you, Roger. Uh, thank you, Roger. So I had Sarah come up too, and uh, so be- she edited everything, and I graduated uh, with high distinction, a GPA thing, and like I would have graduated, I think, on my own, but the high GPA was definitely Sarah, and so I went back to the awards counter where they're passing us out, I was like, I need another one of those medals, because my wife actually earned the first one, and, and so they gave me another one, and so we, we both got one, and so, uh, so I thought we'd, we'd, she should have one forever, and so I'm not going to preach in this. Uh, we just wanted to show you. I was joking with Abigail Hampton that instead of uh, preaching in it, I should wear it to Walmart and like grocery stores and when we go out to eat and everything, be like, would you like to go get Mexican? Let me put on my outfit. And, uh, and so it would just be neat. But oh, I don't know. There, that's right. That's right. There you go. So, uh, so thank you guys. Um, so when we were at the graduation last week, uh, Sarah and I were able to go out on a little date in Lynchburg, and this me- song came on, a country music song that I'd never heard before, and it starts off with a story uh, of a younger gentleman, and he goes and sees his grandpa. His grandpa is on the patio sipping coffee, and you picture him in a rocking chair, and grandpa asks the, the young man, grandson, how life is, and he said, you know, I'm just trying to make a, make a buck. And then Grandpa goes on to share this song of words of advice, of wisdom. And, and it was just a beautiful song, and, and we're sitting there in the car, and, and we were just listening to it and kind of teared up. And it was just a beautiful song, good advice. It was catchy tune. But it just made me think of those times when I've had, you know, that wise, that wise wisdom, that wise counsel. Times in my life where, and maybe in your life, where you've gone to, to Grandpa or Grandma, and they just spoke something to you that was just this, this wisdom. That, or at times maybe your mom and dad, or, or maybe you had a mentor. I, I think of Dale Willis as that for me. Uh, Dale would come and he'd be like, Matt, we need to go for a walk. And that was usually a code for you messed something up. And, and Dale would put his arm around me and, and we'd go walking. And, and he would just share this wisdom. And so it was this, it's a wisdom that's not out of a, a, a know-it-all wisdom, right? You all know that person that they've always got something to tell you and how you're doing it wrong and they want to correct everything. And it's more of a, a know-it-all. But this wisdom from grandpa, this, this wisdom from a mentor, it's based out of love. It's this idea that, that they love you and they want to see you succeed. They want to see you do the best you can. And, and so they come alongside and they encourage you. In, in something, and they give you this piece of wisdom, maybe an area that you're, you're not doing well or just a bit of advice from their life. And so as we talk about that, we're diving into Proverbs, and that's what I see in this book, right? If you've been reading along with us in, the journal, in your journals or in your Bible or on the app, we've been going through Proverbs, one proverb a day, uh, chapter one on day one, of 1st of May, chapter two on day 2nd of May. We're on to chapter 15 on the 15th of May. And if you've been following along, you know we've gotten to this weird part where it's just the spew of information, right? Like there's nothing connected throughout the chapter. I don't know about you, but the chapters almost seem hard to read because like, where's the story? This doesn't make sense. All these things, how can I keep track of all this? It's just a bunch of wisdom. 
But I view it as that old wise grandpa wanting to give some advice out of love, out of helping us be the best we can be. And, and that's why how it was written. Much of this was written by Solomon, to It says to his son that he's coming along his son, and, and he says, we need to talk. He puts his arm around him, and he shares this little bit of wisdom. This book is God's wisdom to us, his loving desire to help us live our best life. And so he comes alongside us, and he's shared this wisdom we find in Proverbs. And, and so that's where we get to dive in and where we, where we jump in. The, much of Proverbs talks about seeking wisdom. And, and to be honest, that was a part of why we pursued the doctorate degree. The other part was uh, the, right about the time that I decided to do it was when COVID hit and I ended up preaching on the roof. And if any of you were here, uh, you might remember that. I, we had to be on the roof and I thought, man, people must think I'm a fool and an idiot. And at least they'll be like, he is a fool, but he has a degree. And so he, he's still stupid enough to preach on the roof, but hey, we'll, we'll listen. And so this idea, this wisdom, seek wisdom, is much of what Proverbs is about. And so if you haven't been here the past couple of weeks, we're in the book of Proverbs, and it is all about wisdom, seeking wisdom, and the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, and this connection of following God and following him with wisdom and with our life, and and book of Proverbs is full of practical life application things. And so we get to chapter 15. If you haven't been reading through, or if you had this great goal to do it, and you made it through like chapter 1 and 2, and then you kind of drifted off, it's all right. Start on 15. We're halfway through the book. Many classes in my life. I've only read half the books. And so you're going to be all right. Um, just jump in now and, and read through the rest of this month. And so chapter 15, verse 1, begins with, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. Beginning of 15, and we're not going to go through every chap- verse in 15. We're actually going to look at a lot of verses here in Proverbs, but 15 begins with this idea that we see all throughout this book. All throughout this book, the same idea has been brought forth over and over in different forms and fashions. We're going to look at a lot of them here this morning, but it's this idea controlling our words. It's this idea of controlling our tongue. How often have you walked away from a situation and think, man, I shouldn't have said that. How often have you, out of anger, began to yell and you regret it? How often do we speak out of ignorance or how often do we say something and just felt stupid because it just flowed and and you saw the words coming out and you want to catch them, but it's too late. Proverbs talks to this. That, that we talk about our words. And so a lot of times on Sunday morning when we come, we might uh, leave on a Sunday morning just inspired and excited because you see this story of Jesus, his resurrection, or bringing forth Lazarus. There's, there's t- weeks that we come away just pumped and excited to take on the world. And, and then there's weeks where it's just applicable. It hits home, and sometimes our toes are stepped on, and, and it's an it's opportunity that maybe you're not inspired, but you're challenged. That's one of these weeks. As we look at what the Proverbs says about our tongue, about the things we say, I know it's a challenging one for me. I think it'll be a challenging one for each one of us because we're all prone to speaking out of turn, right? We're all prone to saying things that we regret later. And so let's look at this idea 
of controlling our tongue found in Proverbs. There's many sayings that it talks about it, and, and for one, one avenue that it talks about is restraining our speech. Proverbs 10, 19 says, Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. The prudent hold their tongues. Many times I, I think, man, I wish I hadn't said that. Man, I, I wish I could have taken that back. Oh, if, if only I hadn't said those things. The prudent, the wise, keep those thoughts back. They don't share, they don't speak, they don't hurt others with their tongue. Proverbs 17, 27 says, The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever understand, has understanding is even-tempered. That I think this speaks to probably all of us, if we're honest. That we get uh, angry, we get slightly out of control, and the words just start flowing, right? And you look back and think, why was I yelling like that? Why did I say that? It's because we were out of control. But the even-tempered, they can restrain their speech. The even-tempered watch what they're saying. Here's another one. Proverbs 17, 28 says, Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. I think this might be my theme verse for my life. To encourage myself that no one would know I'm a fool if I would just keep quiet. The discerning hold their tongues. Proverbs 23, 12, 23 kind of echoes this. The prudent keep the knowledge to themselves, but a fool's heart blurts out folly. So we've looked at the, the wise restrain their words, and the fool uses all of them. The fool blurts it out, and in the midst of all these extra words is when sometimes we lead to mistruths, when we, when we say hurtful things, when we say things we regret, it's because of just this abundance of words coming out. And the words can hurt. You know that old phrase, sticks and stones may make my bones, but words never hurt me? It's such a lie. Words hurt. There are times where I've heard something that I can't unhear. And I'm sure you guys have as well. Words that I've spoken that I can't ever unspeak. And I know that they hurt others. Proverbs 12, 18 says, The word of the reckless pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Our words can hurt and our words can heal. Words have great influence, both for good or for bad. Proverbs 16, 28 says, A perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. Not just talking about words of anger and words of pain, but words talking about others. Proverbs is full of these wise sayings, and many of them reflect on our communication, our words. Because they have so much power. Our words can heal, as it says, and our words can pierce. Our words can build others up, and our words can tear others down. And so you get the idea. You got this, this old man Solomon sitting on the patio, sipping some coffee, rocking on a chair, and he's sharing with each one of us, let me tell you about your words. Let me tell you uh, about what your words mean and and where your words are coming from. Jesus dives into this a little further. In the book of, <coughs> excuse me, 
In the book of Matthew, chapter 15, we find Jesus. He's just fed thousands of people, uh, and the people, the crowds are following him in masses, right? His popularity has grown, and so the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are, are a little bit worried right now. They're worried because uh, there's this opportunity uh, for this new rabbi who's teaching differently than them, and it's going to take away their power. It's going to take away their influence. And so they go, and they're trying to find problems and, and catch him with his, with his, trap him. And so it begins here, 15. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law come to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. This isn't a question about hygiene as much as it's a question about tradition. See, there's the, we've talked about this before, but there's the laws that, that God gave down, and then there is the oral tradition laws that the rabbis over time have piled on. And so preparing for a meal is one of those situations. It doesn't talk about this in the Bible, about everything that they needed to do before eating a meal, but the rabbis have piled on all these extra traditions. And, and so that before you were to eat, there was an idea that you were to take water, half an eggshell full. And you would take water and you would do this twice. You, you would take that half eggshell and you would pour the water on your hands or someone, uh, a servant would pour it on your hands and you would wash off the dirt and then you'd lean your arms upward and the dirt would run down your wrist. Then you'd put your hands out again. The servant would pour half the eggshell of water. You would wash off the dirty dirt and point your hands down and the water would drip off your fingertips. It was this whole ritual and I'd share all that detail to say none of this is in the Bible. But this is the tradition that they had to do. And so the Pharisees are getting on the case of the disciples that they're not just doing this tradition. This isn't from God. This is from man. And the Pharisees are getting on Jesus' case and saying, why aren't they doing this? Jesus replied, verse 3, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? See, we're talking about the tradition here, not God's word. It says, For God said, Honor your father and mother. And anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what they might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus you nullify the words of God for the sake of your tradition. What he's saying is there's this idea called Corbin. And Corbin is when you've set aside something for God. This could be anything. It could be your horse and cart. It could be your home. It could be your food. It could be the crops. But you're saying uh, this is set apart for God. No one can touch this uh, except for me until I die. And when I die, this is supposed to be given to the temple. This is supposed to be given to God. And so the idea of this Corbin, it sounds like a great idea. Hey, I have, I have this thing that I'm going to use, but then give it to the temple when I'm dead. But the Pharisees were using this as an excuse to protect all that they had. So instead of honoring their father and mother who might have been poor and needing food and needing support, the Pharisees would say, oh, I'm sorry, my bank accounts are Corbin. My extra food, that's Corbin. My home, Corbin. Mom and dad, you can't stay with me. This is dedicated to God. I can't give you money. It's, sorry, it's for God, I can't give you any extra food. It's for God. So Jesus is saying, your silly tradition, the Bible says, honor your father and mother. God says to do this. But your tradition of this idea of Corbin, you're using to get around what God says. You hypocrites. You're not following God's ways. And you're the religious leaders. It goes on, verse 7 says, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. 
Their teachings are merely human rules. And now he's no longer just addressing the Pharisees. He turns to the whole crowd that surrounded him and he says, Jesus called out the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. But what comes out of their mouth, that's what defiles them. Proverbs is talking about what's coming out of our mouth. Jesus is sharing these leaders, these, these Pharisees, they're hypocrites. What's coming out of their mouth and defiles them. They're not being men and women of God. He goes on in verse 17 says, Don't you see that whatever enters your mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. This is what defiles a person. By, these are what defiles a person. By eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. The words coming out of our mouth defile us. Think about that. Like I said, sometimes the message when you're getting into the words kind of steps on our toes, kind of hits a little too close to home. But if you think back about this week, and your words are coming out of your heart, what has your heart been saying? Have you had those moments when you've been yelling at someone? Those moments where the anger and rage just takes over? Those moments where we've gossiped or slandered? Those moments where we've lied and cheated? The words coming out of our mouth is what defiles us. This is why... Wise old man Solomon is putting his arm around us saying, watch your words. Control your tongue, the prudent, don't just blab. Watch what you have to say. Are we building each other up? Or are we tearing each other down? Jesus also says, he addresses the tongue in Matthew chapter 12. He says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers. How can you say evil? How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account for the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned. Let that last verse sink in. By our words, we'll be acquitted. And by our words, we'll be condemned. As you think back on this week, have, have you been acquitted or condemned? As you think back of the, this week, look at this analogy of the tree. Is, is it producing good fruit? Would people be able to pull off a fruit from the words you've spoken and be nourished and find joy? Or are they going to find rotten, corrupted fruit? Out of our heart flows our words. Do you have Jesus in your heart? For some of you who have not accepted Jesus yet, I want to encourage you to do so this morning. That, that this morning might be you're here for a reason. And that reason might be to, to feel convicted, to feel the Holy Spirit come upon and, and encourage you to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. 
and to know that he died for our sins and he rose again. And, and if that's you, I want to encourage you, come talk to us in the prayer room. Come see me outside afterwards. We'd love to talk to you about that decision to accept Jesus. That invitation is for the non-believers, the not-yet-believers. But for all of us that have accepted Jesus in our heart, this sermon hits a little harder, doesn't it? For all of us that say that we've accepted Jesus and we know the Holy Spirit is in us, what has flowed out this past week in our words? We can't expect a, a non-Christian to hold to those standards. They're, they're, not, they're not called to yet. But for the people that have accepted Jesus Christ, for you and me, we are called to this. And our words is an overflow of our heart. What fruit are you putting out? Galatians 5, <clears throat> excuse me, 5, 22 and 23. tells the fruit of the spirits, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the words we should be speaking out. Not the words of yelling and of gossip, of slander, of anger, of swearing, of rage. The words that Maybe we look back this week and, and we see that fruit. And so the week, this week, I challenge each one of us. What are the words we're going to share? <clears throat> this morning, we're about to have communion. And in a second, the ushers will come forward and we're going to have an opportunity to take communion and to reflect on, uh, on Jesus' death and resurrection. And during this time, uh, this is time between you and God. But I want to encourage you to think back about your week and think about where God has called us to this morning. There's a passage, Matthew 5, Jesus says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. If this morning God puts it on your heart of someone that maybe you need to apologize to this afternoon, I want to encourage you to do that. Maybe it's a spouse or a child in your home. Maybe it's a coworker or a neighbor. I don't know who that might be, but if there's someone that we need to, to work out and seek forgiveness because of our words, I want to encourage you to do so. We'll close with this, Proverbs 15, verse 4. As a tree gives fruit... Healing words give life, but dishonest words crush the spirit. Lord, we come to you right now, and I just pray that we leave here convicted on how to use our words. God, I pray that we leave here seeking to use words to bring healing and life, not words that bring crushing spirit. God, let us speak words of wisdom that we've learned through this book of Proverbs. God, let us speak words that point to you, to you, Jesus, our Savior, who died and rose again for us. God, let us speak words that reflect you. In your name, amen.